Hey, I'm Kristen. And I'm Ashley. And this is Locked in a Closet. Join us as we tell each other stories of true crime, the paranormal, urban legends, and all things spooky. Welcome back, everybody. Hello, how are you? you know just living <laughs> just the same just, just the same yeah pregnant still thriving <laughs> yeah still covid i mean Yay. there's not not a lot the only thing that really is different in my life is learning about what whatever we're talking about each week <laughs> it's Which like is that's fine <laughs> yeah keeps you going exactly i have a big comfy new thing in my life and it's called the couch that was ordered five months ago Finally, I cannot delivered. believe that took that long I know I'm so happy though we went from a futon to like a huge like sectional couch oh so happy. Michael and I can both lay down fully on it at the same time that is I a game changer for I won't like movie it. night <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took one of just like it's like a like full shot of me laying down one way and him laying down the other <laughs> it's not flattering <laughs> at all but it's so funny and we're just so yeah. happy it's great just knowing that you can do it yeah mm-hmm. couches and beds like those to me are important i'm i'm a lazy person so <laughs> i spend a lot of time on those two pieces yeah. of furniture yeah, yeah they're very important yeah it's a game changer it's so nice i love it so much get like, yourself a new couch yeah <laughs> and make sure it's comfy like i don't know i'm all over like function over form oh yeah right yeah 100 but like because there's so many really cute nice looking couches that I would be like oh this would be so aesthetically pleasing in my house but mm-hmm. it's like awful to sit on and- yeah I love like the like really old like antique looking couches mm-hmm. with like the big like fancy backs and stuff but I would never want to sit on that because one I'd be afraid of breaking it because yeah just, like <laughs> I'm not graceful yeah and uh yeah it just doesn't I don't know doesn't look comfy or like the current trend, which is like the really short back couches and they're like mm. velvet or something and they look so nice. But like, I just feel like I, I would be so sore after I got up after <laughs> sitting yeah. on one of those. Like you can't like, lay down on that. No. Like, no. Not into it. Get yourself sectional. There's this week's yeah. advice <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> and this post is not sponsored. <laughs> I wish it was. Actually, my boss, company. Yeah. my boss purchased it for us as a wedding <laughs> present. So, I mean... That's awesome. Thanks <laughs> to my boss who does not yeah. listen to this podcast, but that's <laughs> probably okay. probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I think we have a bit of a long one today, hey? Yeah, so we should probably just jump in. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, you're first, so I won't even start. But mine is a roller coaster. Hmm? I don't want to hype it up. I hype everything up in this. <laughs> Everyone's we'll like, "What happens when we get yeah." There. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in case you missed the last one, we're talking about ghosts in Nova Scotia this week. Which like, I mean, this is kind of good that we're focusing on Nova Scotia because they're having a hard time. They yeah, they were doing okay. And then some somebody from family Ontario. in Ontario <laughs> had to mess them up. So our apologies from the entire yeah. province. <laughs> on behalf of all of Ontario. Yeah. I'm not I'm even sorry. from here. I will extend <laughs> the, the apology. Yeah. Oh, that's so shitty. They have every right to fucking be pissed because I am mad for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Just stay Mm -hmm. home, everybody. Please, for the love of God. (laughs) Or if you, you know, if you are going there, do your quarantine. It's not that hard. Yeah. Or like, I'm sure it's not that important. You don't have to go right now. 
It was for barbecue. Yeah. It's not even. Come on. (laughs) It's April still. Like you're pushing barbecue season a little early, everyone. Let's. (laughs) I know we're all bored and it's been a while, but. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to jump in. Yeah. So the first story I'm doing is about the Seaside Heritage Center. So in the year 2000, the town of Clarks Harbor purchased the IOOF Hall on Main Street. So this building was built in the late 1800s, and it was constructed by local boat builders. It was commissioned by the Independent Order of Odd Fellows, which is IOF, which is adorable. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what it is, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it stands three levels high. So over the years, it served as an Odd Fellows Lodge, a silent movie theater, which is so cute. Oh my goodness. A hardware store and an apartment complex, among like other things. But those were the highlighted ones that I read Crazy. about. <laughs> so once it was purchased by Clark's Harbor, the plan was to restore the building and to create the Seaside Heritage Center, uh, which they did, obviously. <laughs> spoiler uh, alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert. That's what it's called. <laughs> um, the center's first floor exhibits the lifestyle, history, and culture of Clark's Harbor, which is so cute. Like, I feel like every little town should have that. Yeah. It's like tourists. My mom's going to make fun of me for saying that because she hates the way I say it. Tourists. Tourists. T- tourists. It sounds like tourists. Like this. It side. sounds like you're, or like tortoise. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the area is known for building of the Cape Sable Island boats, which are considered to this day to be the workhorse of the fishing industry, which is kind of cool. cool. Um, other exhibits include the lighthouses of the area, who and uh, the shipwrecks that are around, which is also really cool. That is so cool. I, I want to that. go there really bad. It looks sounds like fun. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, at this point, I would go anywhere, but literally, COVID. I don't want to be another one of those Ontario people that fucks no. it up for everybody. <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> um, so during the restoring process, volunteers were able to uncover tons of historic memorabilia, including a photograph of the original building. So in the photo, which I'm going to post on the Instagram, uh, you can see a young girl who has no shadow. Which sounds kind of weird. <laughs> I first read that and I was, was like, "Was it noon though?" Okay, like, <laughs> like what? Yeah. Um, but there's a bunch of other people in the photo as well. Like, there's like a horse and buggy in the background, and there's just like people walking and stuff, and they all clearly have visible shadows. Okay. So, so that is that is kind of sus. It's a little weird, yeah. Yeah. So one day, uh, somebody that was working there saw the photo, and they were like, "Oh, that must be the little girl that's haunting the hall," as like a joke. <laughs> Um, so matter of fact but then it became real (laughs) so sucks to be that guy Mm -hmm. so since then there have been a few eyewitnesses who have shared their story of seeing myrtle which is what they named the little girl in the picture like i love harry potter yeah like moaning (laughs) yeah really moaning myrtle (laughs) uh so one report said that myrtle was seen near the front of the staircase that led to the second floor and they said that she was there one minute and then the next she just like was vanishing through the wall. That's creepy. Super. Yeah. And she's like a little girl. A second report came from a repairman in 2016. And he said he, he was uh, just like working in one of the rooms and he happened to glance towards the back of the room where he saw Myrtle like standing up. Like she was like sitting and then she like stood up. Oh my goodness. Um, and as soon as he saw her, he didn't stick around to see what she's going to do. So it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, me too. Be like out. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a bummer though, because yeah. it would have been cool to see like what she was actually going to do. 
in the summer of 2017, a paranormal investigation crew was at the hall to film a series uh, when one of them felt as though something tried to push them down the stairs. Ooh, that's unsettling. I feel like maybe that wasn't a little girl, though. That's kind of... I mean, I was an asshole when I was little. (laughs) I don't know if I was commit murder asshole, but... (laughs) Oh, jeez. But when you're dead, who cares? Yeah. So I guess the mayor of the town was interviewed and he reported hearing some unexplained loud noises in the hall while he was working on the restoration. And this is a direct quote. He said, I was working in there one night painting and heard this loud noise in an adjacent room. It wasn't just the floorboard creaking. I never paid much attention. I thought someone was playing a joke, which like, no, <laughs> yeah, that's a really rude joke. Uh, Then it happened again. I ran to the door thinking I would catch whoever was playing a trick, but there was no one. I called out anybody there and there was no response. I went to lock the room and nothing was out of place. So that's kind of weird. That's so typical, like scary movie. Like, is anyone there? Like, continues. And then he turned around and they were right in front of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A former employee reported that she also believes that someone or something is in the building. She reported that she and her coworker would hear music every time they went in the washroom, despite there being no radios anywhere inside or outside the room. She added that one time a box appeared on the desk when she and one other coworker were the only ones in the building and they like still don't know where it came from. Oh, wow. And I guess the doors were locked also because my first thought was like, did someone drop it <laughs> like off? The mailman. <laughs> <laughs> just their amazon package yeah (laughs) i guess guess the doors were locked and stuff so that makes it a little bit creepy yeah um there's also been reports of shadows of ghostly figures uh being seen in the windows by passerby passersby at night um and this is just kind of like a cute little tidbit it's a really short story um uh, so we were talking about this in the last episode about how like some places just like try to ignore that stuff's happening. Yeah. Like Will know like doesn't want anything to do with the vampires and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but the Seaside Heritage Center since 2012 has been running as a haunted house every Halloween. Oh, it's a double haunted house. Yeah. Isn't that so <laughs> cute? I love that. That is cute. So yeah, they're just doing a, it right. <laughs> there's a castle. Castle. Like I'm not joking. It's like a castle <laughs> in Victoria that is supposedly haunted but like the owners just refuse to like acknowledge it oh. like let have tours like they're just like no but like it's kind of like one of those stories that everyone tells that lives there like mm-hmm. like what could just be making bank though lean into it yeah, yeah. Like- or like <laughs> i know when i was in high school i did um like we had to do volunteer hours to get our diploma planning <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's been a while um and uh i volunteered at a haunted house for like Halloween and all the oh, proceeds bat, went bat to um, uh, the food cupboard. So you could do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Make it fun, but also exactly do good. It's silly. It's silly then they try to like ignore it. It's like, I don't think anyone, it would like scare anyone away that wanted to come. Cause if they don't believe in ghosts, they don't believe in ghosts. Yeah. And if they do, then they're like, oh, I'll see something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. It just seems silly. Yeah. So I like that they leaned into it and they're like, we're a haunted house. Yeah, it's cute. I love it. I think everybody should do that <laughs> if they come across. Would ghost. you go to a real haunted house? Like, well, it's not a real haunted house. Well, you know what I mean? Like it's running as a haunted house, but knowing that also it could be a ghost you see. I feel like I would rather go when it wasn't like set up for jump yeah. scares. Like, cause I don't like scare- being scared like that, but I look like stuff, like ghosts yeah. and stuff. 
But if somebody's like hiding around a corner for me, I'm like, no. Like Michael tries to hide sometimes. He'll like no. run up the stairs and hide. And I'm like, I'm just gonna sit on the stairs until you get bored. <laughs> like I'm not coming upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> not no, I it. hate jump scares and I hate haunted houses. And I remember one time my friends, we were at the Peony in Vancouver, and there's like a haunted house that's there like all the time. Mm-hmm. But they also do like a fright nights thing. But this wasn't during then. And they were like, let's go in. It's going to be so much fun. And I did not want to go. And I just had, had my eyes closed and I held the shoulders of the person in front of yeah. me the whole time. And I just, I like spooky. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen like on Ellen, which I know is problematic now, but before she was, I used to watch. Um, she would send Andy through like haunted houses yes. and stuff. I oh my god, I like pee my pants laughing at those. Those are That's funny. So funny, but that would yeah. be me. <laughs> like in haunted house, like, can't do it. No, yeah, I don't do jump scares. I will pee my pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even when you're not pregnant. It's yeah, <laughs> doesn't take much. <laughs> Buckle up. Yeah, <laughs> mine's gonna be long. <sighs> and I thought it was gonna be. I was trying to basically write the cliff notes of this because I knew it was a long story but I couldn't not include things like every time I tried to shorten it down I was like ah I need to add that in yeah yeah it's important that's good and it, yeah it's and this nice could change. be longer yeah it's yeah it's nice change because these ghost stories are always so short like mine like I was doing exactly. so much research on mine that's all I could find. I know and then I have another one too for the end of this episode and it's like about the same length as my first one so yeah. it's good no it's a nice little yeah. change and this is a little bit of a different kind of ghost story. This is more of like a poltergeist, I would say, how I would classify it, which I don't think we've covered like a poltergeist story yet. No, it's usually like women in white or <laughs> yep. kids crying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, this is going to be long. It could be longer. Um, the podcast Dark Poutine actually does a very extensive episode as well. It covers this. Um, I didn't listen to it because I didn't want to subconsciously take anything from them, like content wise, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to listen to it after just to compare. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But yeah, all of my information, actually, speaking of like um, research, usually we have to do so much, like find so many different articles. I read a book. I read one book and got everything I needed from it. Wow. (laughs) And the book was like 66 pages long. So it wasn't that bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So. August 1878 in Amherst, Nova Scotia. So we're going back in time, way back. It's an old story. <laughs> Love it. A large family all live together on a little like farm. Like not like a farm farm where you make money off of it. It's like they have like cows and stuff and chickens just mm-hmm. to like feed themselves essentially. Okay. So we have Esther Cox, who is the star of the story. She lives basically as a boarder on her sister's farm, who her sister is Olive Teed, and then her husband is Daniel Teed, and I'll refer to him as Dan from here on out. Mm-hmm. They have two young children, Olive and Dan themselves, so there's two children, the, the two adults, and then Esther. And also, Esther and Olive also have a brother that boards with them as well. And then Dan's brother also boards with them. Holy. So it's like a big family living in this house. I don't even know how many bedrooms, but not Probably enough. Probably not many, yeah. No. Because uh, Esther and her sister, who is also there, Jane, sh- they share a room together. Okay, so hang on. Yeah. <laughs> it's three sisters. One yeah, of the three sisters, sisters' husband and then the husband's brother. Yeah, and their brother and- as well. Okay. Oh, my God. He doesn't really come into the story very much, but he okay. lives there. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of people in this house, they're all f- related <laughs> somehow. Right. 
And I believe Dan was like a foreman at a shoe factory and his brother that lived with them worked there as well. So they all have ties to the shoe factory. No escape, hey? Yeah, exactly. They're always just together. (laughs) So just a little bit about Esther, because she's the star. She was an 18-year-old girl at the time of the story. And she was almost known as being like the runt of the family. Like they described her as being like very small, especially when she was young. And like she wasn't unattractive or like she wasn't super attractive, but she wasn't unattractive. Like she was never really considered like that's the beauty. Her sister, Jane, who is four years older than her because her sister was 22. (laughs) She was basically like the town bell. Everyone was like, oh, Jane's so beautiful. Like women and men fawned over her. And then Esther was just kind of like there. (laughs) Yeah. She was also involved. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit overlooked. So she and Jane were raised by her grandmother after their mother died and their father just like met another woman and remarried and then like fucked off to Maine and just like nice. left all his kids. Yeah. And then his second wife died and then he remarried again and he still just lived in Maine. Okay. So as far as I can tell, all of the sisters lived together with their grandmother until Olive got married and moved with Dan. And then the other two sisters kind of followed. Now I'm going to get into a few events that sort of built up the nights before, like things took a weird turn for the family. So one night at supper, as the family was sitting together eating, Jane had asked if the cow had been mysteriously milked again that night. Dan exclaims like, yeah, for the 10th day in a row, someone has snuck onto our farm and milked the cow in like the middle of the night and stolen their milk. Oh my God. (laughs) Have you heard the John Mulaney joke? About um, his like girlfriend wanted to be married and uh, every time they would go to another wedding, she would just like stare at him. But he was like <laughs> talking about her as like a cow because there's like a mm. sentence like why buy the the cow when you can get the milk for free? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Where my head went. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, Dan, Dan <laughs> says that if it wasn't for his bad hip, he'd stay up all night to catch the thief red handed. There's eight other people in this house why does no one else stay up like i don't get it but whatever so this might not have anything to do with like anything to do with the story it just sounded odd that someone was like sneaking onto their farm and like stealing milk so could be a red herring it could be a a milk thief a milk yeah could be the source of everything (laughs) who knows so the next day during breakfast esther told her family that she had a really strange dream that night after she drank some buttermilk from the cellar so her dream was basically everyone had the heads of bears, but like their bodies were the same, but their heads were bears. And then their eyes were ho- like, looked like horses, but were blood red. Mm. Creepy. And she said like, everyone spoke in growls, but she could like understand what they were saying. And then she went outside and she saw hundreds of black bulls with bright blue eyes and then blood dripping from their mouth. And then when they noticed her, they came charging at the house and their hooves made fire shoot from the ground (laughs) and then so they charged the house and basically esther awoke because the shaking was so bad in her dream that like she woke up and she was like on the floor she was like out of her bed and you know she just went back into bed and whatever Mm -hmm. so they all kind of dismissed it saying like oh that buttermilk must have been bad that you drank and you just had a bad dream but like they told her who drinks buttermilk that's disgusting (laughs) but also i guess that's all they had I don't guess, but I can't imagine drinking buttermilk. Mm -hmm. So thick. Yeah. Yeah. So they told her it was like just a dream and like, just go read your Bible just in case. (laughs) Like (laughs) fingers crossed. Classic. (laughs) Yeah. Some days later, a man named Bob McNeil, a shoemaker who also worked with Dan. So staying in the (laughs) theme, 
arrived later that evening to take Esther on a carriage ride. So I guess they fancied each other and they were courting. Cute. Yeah. So off they go on their carriage ride, but it wasn't really a great night. It was a bit rainy, but I don't know anything about carriages, but I think they were, it was like covered. So they were staying fairly mm-hmm. dry. Mm-hmm. But at some point in the drive, when they reached this like forested area, Bob just kind of snapped out of nowhere and he leapt from the buggy and pulled a revolver on Esther and was like telling her to get out of the buggy or else he was going to kill her. What a horrible date. Right? <laughs> so since it was raining, Esther was just like, yeah, no. Get, <laughs> like She just like refused. She's like, I no, please stop acting like a crazy person and take me home. And I guess when he, she said, stop acting like a crazy man, it like infuriated him like crazily. He started to get even more like aggressive and mad and was like, I'm going to shoot you and was like cursing at her and like lining up his shot. And like just before he pulled the trigger, they heard the sound of another buggy in the distance and it like snapped him back into reality. And he just like jumped back in the buggy, turned the buggy around, like sped back to her farm at like breakneck speed. And then she just like jumped out as they got to the house and then he kept going. They didn't even like, yeah. And so she just, she ran straight inside and straight to her room and she cried herself to sleep. So Wikipedia mentions that this was an attempt at sexual assault, which I'm not doubting, but for the most information I got was from that book, like I said, by the the author Walter Hubble. Um, and basically he was like the first publicized account of this. Okay. So I'm not ruling out that he didn't try to like sexually assault her, but I'm assuming like Walter didn't put that in there because it might have been something that could have been really damaging to her reputation you Mm -hmm. know what I mean Mm -hmm. so my guess is I bet you that Bob was trying to rape Esther Mm -hmm. that's why he like snapped or whatever but also maybe he just went crazy who knows because the story is crazy exactly right and something something's in the buttermilk (laughs) (laughs) something's in the buttermilk yeah that should be the name of this episode (laughs) (laughs) hold on we gotta write that down (laughs) So for the next four days, Esther was very visibly upset and she would just like cry herself to sleep every night. And she just generally refused to be inside of the house. She would just sit outside on the stoop or like go and stay with neighbors during the day. Like she was just kind of a wreck. Mm -hmm. And her family didn't really ask her what happened. There's too many of them. I probably forgot she was there. (laughs) Yeah. They just assumed that her and Bob had gotten into a fight. But they were like, I guess, glad about it because no one really liked Bob anyways. And he was like kept coming around. Wonder so why. they were like, yeah. <laughs> but like they didn't even ask her. Like this poor girl's like crying. That's so sad. And no one's like, hey, are you okay? They're just like, not Esther. <laughs> <laughs> so after this traumatic event, this is when things in the house started to get like weird. So a few nights, both the sisters hear what they think are mice in their straw mattresses or like oh, under the can bed. You yeah first of all straw mattresses is a sentence yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's the part i can't even imagine Mm -hmm. but to think that there's like a mouse in it yeah no thanks so they moved a box that they had under their bed that was like filled with patchwork material i guess because that's what you have under your bed obviously you don't because i yeah right (laughs) and uh they thought i think the sound they managed to say it was coming from there so they thought the mouse there was a mouse in there so they kind of pushed it to the middle of the room And then all of a sudden they watch as the box jumps into the air about a foot and falls to the side. Just like 
the box just boop, falls over. Big mouse. Yeah. So it did this a few more times. Like I'm imagining Gosh. it like popcorn. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually the girls screamed because I mean I would when you're 18 and you're. I would after the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dan came in, you know, rushing to hear because they were screaming and then they told him what happened and they just kind of laughed it off because it didn't happen anymore yikes so another night esther woke with a start screaming that she was dying so this is a different night because that's what another night means (laughs) (laughs) what is wrong with us today (laughs) a rough go (laughs) the story just gets weirder too it's gonna be difficult she was extremely pale and disoriented and trembling with fear and she was screaming that she was dying she sat there for a while just like at the edge of their bed staring at the wall like kind of muttering and she said that she felt she was like swelling and that she was gonna burst like her skin Ooh. was just swelling yeah and she was swelling apparently she had quite the fever according to her family and her skin was like going red and blotchy esther was screaming in pain and grinding her teeth when all of a sudden a loud sound like something they described as thunder was heard in the room they all thought the house literally was hit by lightning it was that loud that her sister her older sister like freaked out and thought her kids were dead because lightning hit the house but they went outside and they checked and the sky was clear like there was no storm which i mean now we know lightning can kind of happen without Mm -hmm. a storm but still and then again the sound rang in the room like that same boom Only now it sounded like it had come from below them, like from the room under, and the whole room shook. So immediately after that, Esther, who was previously swollen, hot, and red, was suddenly just back to her normal self, and she passed out onto her bed in exhaustion. I don't, I don't think anyone, but Esther got sleep that night. Everyone was kind of like, what the hell? Yeah, who is this? (laughs) Yeah, what happened, huh? So when she awoke late the next morning, she was mostly fine. But of course, during that supper, they couldn't stop talking about the weird events that happened that past night. I mean, obviously. (laughs) So about four nights later, Esther had a similar attack. However, she was able to get herself into bed before the swelling got out of control. And Jane, her sister, advised Esther to just lay there calmly, like breathe, you know. However, not even five minutes later, all of the blankets flew off of both of their beds and were thrown into the corner of the room. Oh, my God. They screamed. Jane fainted. Of course, everyone in the house like flooded into their room trying to figure out what was going on to find like the weirdest scene. So Esther was laying on laying in her bed, just like swelling up. Like I'm picturing like Veruca from (laughs) Willy Wonka. Wonka, Yeah. And Jane was fainted. I don't know if she was on the floor, if she was on her bed. And then their blankets were like in the corner of the room. They were like, what the hell? So they grabbed the blankets. They're trying to put the blankets back on the girls. However, seconds later, the pillow that's under Esther's head comes flying out from underneath her. And it struck John, who was Dan's brother, who this is like the last time I think I'll ever mention him. (laughs) (laughs) So he was like, I'm out. He leaves. And then so someone else ran to get a bucket of water to kind of like splash over Jane and Esther. Mm -hmm. And just as he was returning, there was a series of knocking that seemed to come from under Esther's bed. And then again, suddenly the whole room shook. And then again, like before, Esther was suddenly fine, back to her normal state, and then had passed out asleep. I'm assuming exhaustion because what? So the next day, yeah, they all agreed a doctor should probably be called. I mean, duh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So when the doctor came after laughing about, like basically when Dan was telling him what was happening, he kind of just laughed at them. He diagnosed Esther with nervous excitement. (laughs) I mean, same. (laughs) (laughs) But just as he told the family this, again, the pillow from beneath her head went flying out, but not quite all the way. It got like pulled like halfway out. Mm -hmm. And then it just like went back under her head. It was like, it decided, "Mm, no. And everyone was like, whoa, did you see that? Like, what the hell? And so they were all looking and the pillow did it again. So the doctor grabbed it and was trying to like pull but he said he could not pull it out from under it was like playing tug of war and then it made the made the hair on his body stand on end apparently and the doctor literally exclaimed how wonderful (laughs) or at least that's what walter (laughs) hubble wrote in his book like could you imagine how wonderful (laughs) i'm playing tug of war with a ghost not my first choice of words no (laughs) no so after this pillow fight basically they heard the three knocking again that they've heard in the last previous nights under her bed so the doctor, you know, looks around, he's un- looking under the bed and he can't really find a reason why there'd be this knocking. And so he walks around the room, but as he walks around the room, the knocking like follows him. And so he's like, so fascinated. He's walking around like listening. And then all at once, all of the covers on her bed again, flew off into the corner. And so they grab the covers, they're putting it back on her. And then they could hear what sounded like scratching on the walls like if someone was using something sharp to carve something into a wall and so when they looked to see at the head of her bed written in large letters on the wall said esther cox you are mine to kill yeah and then all of a sudden plaster from the walls came flying off at them and like the knocking sound started happening again and the room began to shake So poor Esther, who's like nearly frightened to death, she's laying on the bed in the middle of this. And all of this keeps happening for two hours, like the knocking, the shaking, things flying around the room. Like, what? And then finally it just stops after two hours and she falls asleep. I'm just assuming this girl's straight up passing out because there's no way I could fall asleep after something like that. It's insane. So basically the doctor leaves the next day life is resumed as normal. And the doctor's like, I'll come back and I'll give her something to calm her nerves. As if they didn't just witness like paranormal activity three the night before. Yeah, really. <laughs> but yeah. So the next day she woke, did her chores. Life was normal. Like let a girl sit one out once in a while. Yeah, like- really. <laughs> so later that day, she claimed she went to, to the cellar. And when she went down to the cellar, something threw like a plank of wood at her. So when the doctor arrives, he goes to like see and he finds nothing. So he like calls Esther down and is like, come to the cellar with me. And of course, as soon as she's down there, I guess several potatoes get lobbed at their head out of nowhere. (laughs) That one's a little funny. (laughs) Yeah. So they run out of there and then the doctor prescribes her some very heavy sedatives to help her rest. I mean, I like, she's not having issues resting at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so they go, you know, later on when it's bedtime, he goes to like administer the medicine. And immediately after he gives her the medicine, they hear the knocking again, only much louder this time a lo- and a lot faster. Then the sounds kind of move about and they are heard on the roof, which could be heard from outside the house as well. So they went outside and they could hear the sound and, like literally neighbors and people describe the sound as if someone was trying to like break through the shingles with a sledgehammer. It was so loud. Wow. And so this lasts again for two hours 
And then later the activity kind of just dies down and they'll, and then the doctor leaves. But as soon as the doctor leaves the property, the noise starts back up again and he could hear it as he was like walking away, like for quite some distance. Mm-hmm. So of course, after all of this, they kind of become like the talk of the town. People could hear the noise for themselves from like all around town or like if they passed the house at, you know, any time of the day, they could just hear these knocking sounds and it was crazy. So one night, about three weeks after the first doctor's appointment, Esther like entered this trance like state and apparently she just threw her arms up above her head in bed and she talked about the night Bob McNeil assaulted her. Which, of course, as you know, no one in the family knew about because no one bothered to ask her. Mm-hmm. When she awoke from the state, they basically said, like, hey, you were kind of mumbling about Bob. Like, is this true? And she said, yeah, that happened. And her sister Jane was like, oh, my God, because that's how they talked back then. <laughs> I knew that guy was trouble. And and it's true. They, she had kind of warned her sister earlier that, like, I don't really like Bob. Like, he doesn't seem that great for you. So then they kind of all just blamed Bob for all the weird things that were happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they could be like, yeah, it's Bob's fault, but. Well, who else are they going to blame? Exactly. So after they blamed Bob, then all of a sudden they heard the three knocks again, followed by the whole house shaking. So it's got a little bit of like a pattern. So Jane sort of made the observation that she thinks that whatever is causing the knocking could, could understand them and that maybe they could communicate with it. So they tested their theory and they asked if it could hear them. That's a bad idea. I know, right? Never try (laughs) to communicate. (laughs) So, of course, the question was followed by three knocks and the house shaking. They then asked how many people were in the room, and five knocks followed for the five people that were present in the room. Okay, so this this is from the book again that Walter wrote, and it just made me cackle with laughter because when I read it, the doctor goes, well, isn't that certainly strange, but I must be going. (laughs) He's like, see ya. (laughs) Oh, how peculiar. Well, it's past my bedtime. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, what? I don't get paid after five. So yeah. I, I would be out the house the second I heard any knocking. Oh, 100%. And like, second of all, I wouldn't be like, well, that's weird. <laughs> See you later. You're on your own. <laughs> Mine's you of that scene in Dumb and Dumber where, where he comes out of the store and he's like, big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. <laughs> so three weeks again after this attack, as I say, the sounds and all the other stuff kind of became super random and unpredictable. Usually it was like at night, but now it was like happening at any time of the day. But they did find that the only thing constant was that Esther had to be present in the house. So if she wasn't there, it wasn't happening. Okay. So finally, a Baptist clergyman was called to the house to witness the events. And after he did, he, be- he basically came to the conclusion that the night of her assault was so traumatic it caused a shock to her system so strong that she basically became like a battery is how he described it so basically his theory was that the invisible flashes of lightning left her body and that's what the knocks were and they were basically like tiny little thunderbolts which shook the house because that's that's the plausible explanation from the church (laughs) (laughs) that's what the church said the clergyman was so convinced and so satisfied with his like hypothesis that he basically preached it and was like going around being like that's what it is and like telling everyone about it and he kind of made her somewhat of like a local attraction because of it so people from literally like all around nova scotia and, and like i'm assuming canada came to like witness these 
marvels or whatever so she remained somewhat of a celebrity until that winter when she fell ill with diphtheria and then basically when she was sick all of like the stuff happened stopped it kind of died down so after she recovered she briefly stayed with her other married sister so there's another sister holy in new brunswick just to kind of get a bit of a vacation they said from her attacks but when she returned a new hell broke loose so when she returned they actually had switched her room with another room to try and see if that would stop what was happening like they weren't sure if it was like the room's fault or what so they swapped rooms okay even though she still shared a room with jane poor jane I know. Poor Jane. Jane's like, I just need to sleep. (laughs) However, Esther said that now she could hear voices and it was telling her that the house was going to be set on fire by a ghost. So that's concerning. Sounds legit. Yeah. The ghost also told her that it had been dead for many years. Like, oh my God, could you imagine? This is 1878. How many, how old is this ghost? Yeah, really? (laughs) Apparently, everyone just laughed this off, saying, silly, ghosts aren't real. (laughs) Like, their house has been terrorized for the past, like, ghosts aren't real. But this battery theory, let's let's do this. Yeah. Gotta be real. Basically, Dan said, it's all just electricity, and electricity can't set a house on fire. (laughs) Boy, Dan, do I have some bad news for you. (laughs) Thanks. Anyways, just to spite them, I guess, as they were saying that ghosts weren't real, a lighted match just kind of appeared out of nowhere and fell from the ceiling onto Jane's bed, (laughs) which luckily enough, they caught and snuffed it out before her bed set on fire. Because like I said, straw mattress, Mm -hmm. (laughs) very flammable. And then for the next 10 minutes or so, lighted matches continued to fall from the ceiling onto their beds. Each one was quickly snuffed out by, by a member of the family as well. And then all of a sudden, I guess while this was happening, there was still knocking and the house was shaking. So Dan asked the ghost, which now he believes in, I'm assuming, if the house would be set on fire and they received three knocks in reply. So, uh, so far, three knocks means yes. Okay. And one knock meant no. That's how that was what their Morse code was. So about five minutes later, the house was then set on fire by the ghost when it grabbed one of Esther's dresses that was like hanging on the wall and it like grabbed it, swept it under the bed and just like lit it on fire. Oh my God. Yeah. So luckily they were able to grab the dress and extinguish it before any damage happened. But at this fine, at this point they were finally like, okay, we believe you like you're real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So three days later after the house was a pretty uneventful, like since the fire incident, the family noticed smoke coming from their cellar one morning they went down to investigate it turned out there was like a a barrel in the corner that was set on fire and they tried to put it out with water but the fire had already gotten a little too large and they were like a little unprepared for it and like dan was at work like all the men were at work Mm -hmm. so they just like ran out into the streets and they were yelling fire and then luckily a passing man heard them ran to their aid and he was able to get the fire out But as quickly as he came to the rescue, he was also just gone out of nowhere. And the family didn't even get to, like, thank him for saving their house. Weird. So I thought that was kind of strange, Mm -hmm. right? Like, mystery man, like, puts out fire, doesn't want a medal. (laughs) People were, 
So word of the fire spread across the, the country, as they as he said, apparently. And people thought, like, maybe perhaps it was Esther that was doing this. Like, she was the one causing all these fires and stuff. Right. But in both instances of, like, the fire being lit, she was under supervision. Like, someone was with her at all times in the house. And they're like, it couldn't have been her. Hmm. She didn't leave this room. And so, of course, the town was a little bit worried because if their house caught fire, then it would spread and it would just burn the whole town down. So... They were a little freaked out. So one night the family was actually then visited by the ghost finally, or at least the ghost made himself visible to Esther. doesn't say if the others could see him. Okay. She described him as a man who appeared all gray and would glare at her and laugh. She claimed he said that she must leave the house tonight or he was going to burn the whole house down with everyone inside of it. However, it was the dead of winter and nobody in the neighborhood, let alone the town, wanted her anywhere near them because mm-hmm. they they were scared the ghost was going to follow. So Dan actually knew, though, of a fellow who was deeply interested in the whole thing. I mean, I mean, I think I would have been, too. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> most people probably. Yeah. And his name was John White. And John White and his family agreed to take Esther in. So for three weeks, she lived with the Whites and everything was fine. Like, it was Okay. She worked hard to stay there. However, one day the ghost found her and began to play tricks on her by stealing a scrub brush from her hands as she was like scrubbing the floor and made it disappear. And then it would just like drop it from the ceiling on her head, like out of nowhere. And this all happened in front of White's young daughter as well. So there was like a witness to this. The ghost then began to communicate with the Knox once again in this new house, and it would predict things like how much money people had in their pockets to prove its existence. That's fun. Yeah. It was like a little party trick. (laughs) Yeah. So by the sixth week of her stay with the Whites, the ghost turned evil once again and started to set fires in this house. And then they could also hear like really loud footsteps throughout the house. And then like they would see like their, their oven door like open and close on its own. And at one point, a small pocket knife was stolen from the hands of one of the whites, like just out of nowhere. He was like, well, I don't know if it was in his hand or his pocket, but it was like taken from him. And then it was thrust into the back of Esther. Oh, my God. So now she's being like stabbed by this ghost. Yikes. They removed the knife from her. And again, it got stolen from him. And then she was stabbed in the back in the same spot that she was stabbed previously. Ooh. Yeah. Open so, wound. Yeah. Ouch. So I think they ended up hiding the knife i think they buried it or something because they were like Mm-mm. i mean i feel like that's not gonna stop a ghost no <laughs> <laughs> so while she stayed with them they kind of experimented with different ways of like trying to get this ghost to leave her alone one of them was someone suggested putting like a plate of glass in her shoes so she wasn't like standing on the ground i have no idea what this <laughs> theory is about <laughs> so they put glass in her shoes just to see if it would help but i feel like that's just asking for like danger open wound on her foot yeah but all it did was make her nose bleed and give her a headache so i don't know if that's (laughs) related uh one time they tried putting like iron spikes on her lap when she was sitting down not too sure why not too sure what that means Mm -hmm. um but apparently they became extremely hot to the touch and then eventually they just like went flying off her lap wow so that's fun. Hot spikes just flying around. Love it. And then so the ghost also started moving furniture around in the broad daylight and just knocking happened. So eventually they shipped Esther off to St. John's in New Brunswick for about three weeks. I'm not too sure why. I guess the white family was like, no, no more. Mm-hmm. Um, so where she stayed with 
Captain James Beck. And basically they like investigated her there. They managed to talk to the ghost using like the knocking method. And they found out there was more than one. One of them said, yeah, one of them said his name was Peter Cox. Another called herself Maggie Fisher. And then they also identified the main ghost from the farm as Bob Nickel. They said Bob had been a shoemaker also. So moral of this story, don't be a shoemaker. Don't do (laughs) that. (laughs) The Peter ghost, the Peter Cox, um, actually said he was a relative of Esther who had been dead for the last 40 years. So just like a long cousin, old cousin. I don't know. He just said he was related to her. Okay. And he said that he tried to keep both Bob and Maggie at bay, but he wasn't strong enough. So mm. he, he tried to like keep them chill, but Bob and Maggie just like fucking shit up. <laughs> so after these three weeks, she finally returned back home to Amherst, uh, Nova Scotia. But instead of going back to the farm, she was taken in by another family, the Van Ambers. Van Ambergs. The Van Ambergs. Sorry if that's wrong. <laughs> And they lived about three miles outside of like the towns, like in a separate little cottage. Okay. And so for about eight weeks, she actually enjoyed peace from the ghost. Nothing happened while she was there for eight weeks. That's nice. But eight weeks was all she was allowed to have and all the things started to happen again. Mm. So it's at this point now where Walter Hubble, the author of the book that I read, got all, and I got all the information from he arrived to investigate Esther's situation because at this point she was kind of like a phenomenon I don't know if it was like worldwide but at least Canada wide everyone had heard about this right so he arrived and he was quite literally thrown into the thick of things um so when he arrived at their house so like when he arrived in the house the moment he entered the house like things just started flying at him like his umbrella that he had just put down chairs his bag, a knife came flying at him. Oh my God. And during his stay, like this would just continue to happen. Except on Sunday, apparently the ghost respected the Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> which, which Walter put in his book, he thought that was really interesting and strange. They're like, all right, God's day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, all at the that other point, days, you just take it. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask questions. Right? You're just like, instead of waiting for the weekend, you're like, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> But all the other days, like, things would happen. Okay. So things were, like, and it started to escalate. Like, chairs would be, like, knocked over. You know, things were being thrown around. Fires were being continually started that they had to go and, like, put out. So it turns out during Walter's investigation that there was actually six ghosts total. Mary Fisher was another to be discovered. And she was the sister of Maggie Fisher, (laughs) who I had mentioned earlier. Okay. And then there was two other women named Jane Nichol and Eliza McNeil. And so Maggie, or sorry, Mary, Jane, and Eliza were just like these three good ghosts that just were there but didn't do anything. Okay. They just, they didn't, they didn't get involved. <laughs> they were just there. They were just watching. Yeah. Um, it was Maggie and Bob that like did all the shit. And then... The I one feel like Maggie and Bob are such like innocent names. I know it's funny that they're like the shit disturbers in this story. Yeah. So Walter, during his investigation, decided to ask them questions. He asked at one point, like he asked if they were all living people, like if they were ghosts of real humans, and they mm-hmm. all said yes. He asked if they were in heaven and if they had seen God or met God, to which they responded no to both those questions. 
He then asked if they were in hell and if they had seen the devil. And they responded with a very loud yes to both of those questions. Hmm. So spooky. The next day, the ghosts even got a little more rough with Esther and just began, I guess, poking her with pins that they found just over and over these little tiny pins. Like they all day long, they were basically just like pulling pins out of her, which ow. Mm hmm. And, and again, matches would basically just rain from the ceiling. Lit matches just falling from the ceiling. And the family just had to, like, run around like cartoons putting these matches out. <laughs> so, and then, oh, and during, during the day at one point, a trumpet just appeared out of nowhere. They have no idea where this trumpet came from. No one owned a trumpet. And the ghost would blow it in people's ears really loud. Oh, my God. And it's, yeah. Because, like, they could make items disappear, they said, like. They could, like, if you were holding something, a ghost would take it from you and it would just be gone and, like, you couldn't find it. And they would make it disappear. And then I think with the trumpet, they would just make it disappear and then, like, blow it in your ear. I don't know how ghosts I wonder work, whose but... trumpet they stole. Imagine yeah. someone just, like, playing it and then it's gone. gone. <laughs> right? Yikes. That's so weird. So one day, Esther went to church to pray. And, you know, I'm assuming that happened more than not because i would be praying Mm -hmm. (laughs) and when she returned the ghost cut her on the head with an old bone they had found in the yard ew right and then they stabbed her in the face with the fork oh my god this poor girl (laughs) like this is just getting insane like how is she dealing with this mentally yeah so and then i guess when walter had arrived he was like whoa this is a lot and and esther had just said like you get used to it like kind of shrugged it off like no you don't (laughs) the ghost tormented her constantly and she would often do that like swell up thing and she would like writhe in pain like she was being possessed while screaming she wishes she was dead like sounds awful what a scene and this continued on for weeks until it became too much for esther and the family and there was like too many fires it was really unsafe they were like you've got to go like, and not only that, but like walls were being broken because chairs were being thrown at them. Like knives were being thrown constantly. Everyone started hearing voices now. It wasn't just Esther. So it kind of came to like a catalyst. And they were like, you got to get out of here. So Esther packed up her things and left the house never to return. So she went and she moved back in with the Van Ambergs and she, who like the people that lived three miles out of town. Mm-hmm. And I guess the ghost just kind of left her alone after that. It's it's really not certain why they didn't bug her at this particular place. They had followed her previously, like even to New Brunswick. Like, yeah, I wonder if maybe they were just like, oh, she's over it. <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. bug her anymore. Yeah. So Walter then went to visit her after a while to check up on her, and she was just like living a normal life. Her family's farm like returned to normal. Everything kind of just settled down. Esther got married. She was actually married twice and she had a son with each of her husband. And then eventually she moved to Brockton, Massachusetts with her second husband where she lived and eventually passed away at the age of 52 in 1912. I know. So young. So young. But yeah. Crazy. Why did it end? Yeah. That's so weird. I just this doesn't it doesn't seem like a real story it really no I know it literally it's just like what else could we think of <laughs> I know like I literally like so this guy that wrote the book that I read and and got a lot of the information from 
it started off, I guess this is like his diary his, as he was investigating this. And then he kind of wrote it into a more of official book. But like, I was reading this. I was like, this can't be real. Yeah, I was trying to see if it said like the fictional work of, but it was just like, no, this is just something that was said to have happened. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. I just, man, poltergeist stuff. Wow. Yeah. And they just seem to live with knives being thrown at them all the time. I'm yeah. sorry. Like that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't get that. <laughs> like I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I know <laughs> it just ended so quickly. Like and honestly. it just it just so so and they're like basically everyone was like we've had enough you need to get out of this house and then it was just like okay the ghosts yeah. were like all right we'll let her go. <laughs> That's so weird. I wonder. If I don't know. She was doing something. Like I don't want to like put right. the blame on her, but I mean <laughs> Wait, victim blame it's from a while ago. You know, I I wonder if she was like <laughs> into like something like satanic or something, and like, just never right. told anybody, and that's like kind of what started it. I mean, the clergyman's his like hypothesis. I feel like w- could have been close because the trauma heard, part. Yes, the, the trauma part, part, right? Like <laughs> where yeah, <laughs> where I have heard things where if you do experience trauma or something like that, it kind of like opens you up spiritually Mm -hmm. or I don't know, it like attracts dark attention. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that could have been because everything did start after that traumatic time with Bob McNeil. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know about that. That's really (laughs) quite the story. I just, I want to know if whoever lives like on the property where the house once stood, like, or if they know, like, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Or like yeah. family members, if they have like other stories or whatever. Right. It's just as wild. I cannot get over that story. I yeah. was, I, w- I almost didn't do it because it was going to be too long. But the more I read into it, I was like, okay, now this happens. Yeah, like- it just keeps going forever <laughs> yeah. and ever. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the, they call it the great Amherst mystery. that's what they call it because there's never been a solution there's never been anything else happening my god weird (laughs) okay i have one more short one and then we'll wrap it up because yeah this is definitely gonna be a longer episode but that's fine because that was a great story (laughs) thanks okay so my last one is on the waverly inn uh, which is in halifax So in 1866, the Waverly was originally built as a private home, which it would have been a beautiful private home. Oh my God, this place is Mm -hmm. gorgeous. Um, And it was sold in 19 or sorry, 1870 to two spinsters who turned the property into one of Halifax's nicest hotels. So to this day, it's furnished with antiques and beautiful four poster beds. And it's like just practically asking to be haunted because (laughs) it's one of those places. Yeah, yeah. Over the years, the in-housed uh, some pretty big names, including P.T. Barnum, who I feel like I bring up every time I talk about stuff. I finally watched that movie. Did you? I oh, finally watched so The Greatest good. Showman. Yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. The first time I watched it, I was like, mm, that's okay. And then I watched it again, and I was like, mm, yeah, I like this. And now I know like every <laughs> word to every song. It's so good. It's so funny. <laughs> I just couldn't get over how many songs TikTok used. Like, I didn't, it was like the whole soundtrack. TikTok yeah. has just turned into sounds. I was yeah. like, wow, okay. Yeah, it's so good. I love it <laughs> yeah. so much. I literally put in brackets. Also, if you haven't watched The Greatest Showman, you need to. <laughs> I find <laughs> so I'm just going to keep pestering you until you yeah. finally watched it. So yeah, it housed P.T. Barnum at one point um, and then another guest who apparently returned after his death. Ooh. <laughs> Spooky. 
So during his 1882 tour of North America, Oscar Wilde returned to his mm. uh, room at the Waverly Inn following what was described as a poor performance that disappointed the people of Halifax. Oh. So this is like before he was famous. He was just like a poet that would like travel around. And Could do, you like, imagine like seeing an Oscar Wilde show and being like, that was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, he's like the most famous fucking yeah. poet like yeah, exactly. outside of Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. So following his death, uh, Wilde has been seen reading and hovering outside his former room at the Waverly. Um, he's reported to be a friendly and quiet ghost. I guess he stayed at the Waverly for like four or five days when he was there. So that's like how they know that it was his room. Okay. So the inn is so proud that he stayed there. Um, they've actually renamed his room to the Oscar Wilde room. And it's known as one of the most haunted rooms in the inn. Oh, wow. So there's a show called Ghost Cases, which I'm very sure is a Canadian show because I'm sorry if you ever hear this, but it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I sat through the episode <laughs> um, where they were oh at the Waverly Inn. And like, it was kind of cool, but like the guy that was on it is just like disgustingly sexist. Like at oh, one point he was no. like sitting in one of the rooms and I'll get to it after, but there's a painting that like falls off every time. And it's like oh, a wow. painting of like three women. He's just like, mm, if I had to choose one of these women, which one would it be? Oh, like, well, this one's not like musically inclined, but she's probably good at other things. And I was just like, ew, like you're disgusting. And this Arf. is being filmed on TV. What are you doing? anyway yeah uh, canadian <laughs> television's pretty touch and go sometimes oh my God. it's so horrible sometimes yeah but. anyway so on this show that <laughs> you should never watch uh it was reported that after staying in the oscar wilde room uh guests who are like i don't know like artistic or like writers or whatever they leave feeling really like positive spirit presence Ooh. and uh they've reportedly left feeling like really recharged and inspired that's kind of cute I, love that. <laughs> I have like, i have a bachelor of fine arts i i feel very you burnt you out yeah <laughs> you should go so an employee that works there reported seeing a victorian era woman in the hallway of uh the hotel looking out the window so as she was like walking down the hall the woman that she saw like turned and started moving closer to her and when she was coming closer there was like a light that seemed to be coming from like inside the ghost oh and on the show, one of the people went to the hallway where they saw her and the EMF levels were completely normal. So I don't know what that was all about. Reminds me of like the creepy Canada opening shot with the ghost and like the light and stuff. Yeah, they're really like cheesy. Yeah. yeah. So room 115 is supposedly really haunted there as well. So there have been a couple of times where ghosts report seeing a woman sitting at the bottom of their bed. Um, or one time there was like a lady was laying in bed and there was the impression of a body that was right beside her in bed but it was no. like moving around like somebody was like shifting yeah respect the bed if i'm in it yeah. don't get in it <laughs> come on now <laughs> yeah um so i guess the bed in question uh had been purchased off of ebay from a seller in california Ew. and originally it was from holland from the mid 1890s Oh, oh the, the bed frame probably yeah hey, not the mattress yeah <laughs> yeah it was just a straw mattress like, ew. <laughs> yeah so who knows what could have been attached to it like if it came yeah. from holland and then california like it's been World around or two ghosts or something yeah and then the final reportedly haunted room is room 103 so this is the room that has the painting um and i guess it's fallen off the walls like multiple times but every time it does fall off the wire that's on the back is always intact so it's like something like picked it up and like shot it off the wall. 
Yeah. And then the hook is always in the wall too when it falls. So I guess the first time that it fell, the glass broke, but it was because it was like really old glass and then they got it replaced and it hasn't broken any time since. Wow. Um, And then in that same room, there's also been reports of an older woman sitting at the bottom of the bed again, uh, wearing a nightgown. And then they think that that woman is the same one that the employee had seen in the hallway. Oh, they can change their outfits. Mm -hmm. Fancy (laughs) ghosts. Yeah. Um, so I went to TripAdvisor to too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I went to TripAdvisor to see if there were any reviews of like yes. haunted stuff, and there were two that I found that were actually like something. <laughs> User fellow traveler, and then a bunch of numbers, wrote, "Yes, it's haunted. Someone rattled our closet doorknob in the middle of the night and woke us up. In the morning, we realized there wasn't even a door on the little closet. So maybe there was like at some point. Yeah, they just like heard the." ghost yeah. noises of the old door yeah oh that the would ghost be creepy no. <laughs> um and then cindy r wrote we love this beautiful little inn it was oozing with history and maybe a little bit haunted too someone or something slapped the sheets between my feet which woke me up with a start then i heard a sigh coming from the corner of the room so that's oh kind of creepy i feel yeah. like i've woken up to like dreaming about stuff like that happening happening and yeah. it scares the shit out of me. It's not even real. <laughs> you know, how much of me the other night? What? I snored so loud, I woke myself up, and I scared myself. <laughs> I've totally done that, too. <laughs> Jeff was still awake, and I was like, <gasps> he's like, what? And I was like, what was that? He's like, that was you snoring. <laughs> oh, jeez. Pregnant life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, that's the Waverly Inn. Mine are like cute little ghost stories. Yours was terrifying. <laughs> Mine was like not a real story. I feel like I feel like I told you all a fable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never really know. With, mm-hmm. uh, with the I think when it's story. old enough, you're like, yeah, it was real. 18, we'll say 18, whatever it was. 1868 or whatever I said. Yeah, 1879, whatever. Yeah. yeah, no one's going to say fight me on that. Yeah, <laughs> it happened nobody's there like nobody's alive everyone's dead yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) oh geez yeah anyway there's nova scotia for you nova scotia's coming in hot they're number one for ghost stories yeah they're in the lead so far exactly you don't know what we'll give them second yeah yukon was good i don't know what the hell we're gonna do when we're out of provinces and territories i know i think we should we should do spin a globe and just start picking random spots in the world or yeah I hope you all were entertained because I know I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yours was really good. I really liked it. Yeah. What do we have next week? I think true crime. We're talking crime. murder. Yay. So. The origins of the ghost stories. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at locked in a closet pod, Twitter at L I A C pod. And on Facebook at Locked in a Closet Podcast. Also, we'd love it if you would share your spooky stories with us. You can email us at lockedinaclosetpod at gmail.com and we'll share them in a future episode. All right, guys. Until next time. Keep on creeping on. <laughs>